Well, I am excited to get to speak to you this morning. Our lead pastor, Pastor Lawrence, is in England. Uh, he's been doing ministry over there for the last week, so incredible things happening. How many of you guys realize it is amazing to be a part of a church that has a pastor that we are able to send out and be an expression of destiny in other parts of the world? Honestly, we are very blessed uh, to have Pastors Lawrence and Tracy as our lead pastors, and just want to honor them as we get started this morning. Uh, and ready to jump right into the message. Sound good? If you would, take your books and go ahead and pass those down. That way you can sign in and grab a note card if you want to take notes. Um, as you're doing that, I'm going to get ahead of you a little bit, but if you are taking notes this morning, the title of my message is Gear Up. So I want to talk to you a little bit. This is the last week talking about our clothes series. How many of you guys have enjoyed hearing about the armor of God? All right. We are a people who are created to be effective in the world that God has placed us in. Not simply come and enjoy the world, but actually make a difference in it. Uh, and as we get started, I want to recognize just a few people. If you were a part of the summer intensive, if you guys would stand up really quick. All of our people who attended the summer intensive, uh, that concluded this last Tuesday. Let's give a big round of applause for these guys. Appreciate you guys and your investment. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, our summer intensive was a six-week program we did uh, of just really asking people to step up to another level of leadership to be here for early morning prayer. Uh, we did classes every Tuesday with them uh, following prayer. Uh, so appreciate all of you who came out and were a part of that. How many of you know being who God's called you to be really does take work? Okay? Like, I think a lot of times we get this idea that, okay, I, if I can get saved and be good, things are good, right? Like, I, I at least will make it. It, it. Here's my problem with that. You were never called to make it. You were called to make a difference, okay? Those are two very, very different things. And I want to talk to you a little bit this morning. Before I jump into the armor of God, there's some things I want to walk you through with that this morning, but I want to challenge your perspective just a little bit. Because I believe that the way we look at the situations we face in life determine whether or not we face those situations hoping to make it or making a difference. Okay? And how many of you realize when things go wrong in your life, it is very easy to look at that and think, God, please help me survive this moment. Right? How many of us have had situations that have happened and honestly, all you could do is just pray that God helped you survive that moment? Okay, we have those situations that we walk through in life, but I want to challenge your perspective because if we can learn to not survive the moment, but ask God, what can I do in this moment to make an impact in the world around me? I understand there are horrific things that sometimes we have to walk through, but there is never a situation that you will walk through that God doesn't want to take you and build you beyond and the only way that we're able to do that is take a step back from our, the emotion of the moment and say, God, what do you want to do in this situation? What are you wanting to do in me when we lose a loved one? How many of you realize that's hard? There's nobody, no, nobody's like, all right, God, I lost somebody. Let's go. Like, no, that's not how our, we're ever going to react to that. And if th th there's probably an issue if that is. Uh, but <laughs> just saying, but to be able to take a step back and say, God, what are you wanting me to do in this moment? Because that may be your moment to shine a light to other members of your family that have never been open before. 
that may be your moment where God wants to do something in you because you're finally available enough to let him in. Does that make sense? It's being able to change our perspective, but I want to challenge you. Romans 8, we're going to look at, I'm going to kind of jump through here, but it's Romans 8, verses 33 through 39. It says, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, he who died, yes, rather he who raised, is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, will distress, will persecution, will famine, will nakedness, will peril, will the sword? Jump down to verse 7. It says, but in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the thing that I want to point out about that. It's a perspective. Because I think a lot of us live from the perspective, Jesus died for me. And I really want to rock some of you this morning. Yes, Jesus died for you, but more than that, he raised to life for you. He didn't just die that you could have grace. He came back from the dead so that you can live empowered. Okay, we've sold the gospel short, and we've begun to preach a gospel that says Jesus came and he died for you. That is absolutely true, but not only did he die for you, he was rose again, and he sent the Holy Spirit to empower you. It was not so that you can just make it to heaven. It was so that you could bring heaven here on earth. I'm ready to preach this morning. I hope you guys are awake. See, this is the thing. We get so caught up in this mentality. If I can just have grace to get me through my moment, then I can make it to the next moment. God didn't design you to make it moment to moment. He created you to live revelation to revelation. One is a perspective that as long as grace catches me, I'll make it in this life. The other perspective is thank God for grace because it's empowered me to make a difference in this life. Guys, no one in this room was ever created to make it through this life. Everyone in this room was created to make a difference in it. You were created to impact your world. Now, let me help you really quick. This world is hard, right? You were created to impact your world. Impact is a great word to preach, but that means two things have to have a collision in order to make an impact. That means what we believe and how we live will have a collision with the culture that we live in. And what will define the way you live your life is if culture impacts you or if you impact it. See, it's the stronger of the two forces that leaves the impact. Now, I think a lot of times we begin to go through these things, and it's like, okay, God, well, how am I supposed to make a difference in my world? Like, that, that sounds like such a huge task, right? I mean, let's be honest. Anyone else, when you hear preachers say that, think, how am I supposed to make an impact in my world? Like, my world, me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, how do I do that? By affecting the people closest to you. By investing in the people that God's entrusted to you. By understanding that God has empowered you. 
James 2.18 says it this way. Someone may well say, I have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works. I will show you my faith by my works. Understand something. You do not get saved by being good. Not the way that works. Grace is the only way that we are saved through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that's able to come and forgive us of our sins. Works aren't about being saved. Works are about making a difference. And here's the thing. If your life is changed and you are saved and you understand the creator of all heaven and earth and what he's empowered you to do, there should be nothing else that we can do except make a difference in the world that he's called us to. Does that make sense this morning? I talk to people a lot, and it's like, well, I mean, I have, I'm a person of faith. I'm going to get on a soapbox for just a second. You can be a person of faith. Or you can be a person of power. Those are two different things. Because there is a lot of people who have faith in something. That does not always mean it's the right thing. Just like we live in a culture that has my truth. I'm going to step here for just a moment. hope you're ready. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth. Those are called opinions. Truths are truth. They are stable. They are constant, okay? That is the fact of truth, okay? But that's my truth. No, that's your opinion of a situation. That's the difference in truth and opinion. And the problem is when we as a culture begin to accept opinions as truth, anyone in here ever had an opinion until you found out more information and then your opinion changed? That's the problem with establishing truth based on opinion because when there's more information introduced, your truth changes. Truth does not change. Truth is stable. Our truth is established by the Word of God, what He has called us to do and who He has called us to be. I want to jump right in. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. We're going to go through these because how many of you have enjoyed learning each piece of the armor? right? There is power in each piece. They were not just, I, I think we discount this a lot, and we begin to hear about the armor of God, and we think, yeah, you know, that's great. We'll tell our kids, you're in the Lord's army, and we, whoo, you get, get a little plastic helmet, and you're a little Jesus soldier. No. These are powerful. They are warful. There is something about the armor of God that is meant to empower you. And I want to walk you through all of those together because it's not just individually. We have to understand there is something we carry and possess as Christians. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, how many of you have heard this verse before and didn't even realize this was a part of the armor of God? For the struggle, it's not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. I've heard that verse quoted so many times and never done in context with the, the armor of God. Why does that matter? Because what he's starting off with is telling you, you were built for a fight. You were prepared and built for a fight. That doesn't mean you go out and when somebody cuts you off, you jump out of the car and punch them in the face. That's not the fight I'm talking about. That's why it specifies not earthly fight. We have a fight in a spiritual realm. How do we fight in a spiritual realm? That's how we make a difference in our world. So we put on the full armor of God. You guys catch that? 
You put on, verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything you can do to stand, stand firm. I'm going to preach for just a minute before I get into the armor of God because there's two things that we need to understand. One, when you've done everything you can do in your own strength, that's the time you step in to be empowered by the presence and the power of God that takes you somewhere you were never able to go on your own. Well, how do I get there? I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Because we overlook two words. Well, but, I mean, I've got the sword of the spirit. I've got the shield of faith. I've got the helmet of salvation. I've got all these things. How come I'm not seeing them active in my life? Verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. I'm not trying to be cheesy. I want you to understand there literally is something that you have to put on about the armor of God. Well, he's given me faith. I've got the shield of faith, absolutely. But if you never engage your faith, you never have a shield to help stop a single attack that comes against you. If you walk through your life, woe is me, God, why is everything falling apart? Pick up your shield. You have been given a shield of faith to make a difference in your world. You do not walk through life as a victim. You walk through life as an empowered son and daughter of God. Do you understand this? Like we walk through, well, I've got the helmet of salvation. Really? Then why do you act so defeated every time you think of your past? Whoo. Well, I've got the breastplate of righteousness. Really? I couldn't tell looking at your life. I got the shoes of peace. Really? Then why are you so concerned and worried about everything that you face? Put on the armor of God. Because it's sitting in a closet, because it's been handed to you, does not mean you are empowered. Put it on and be who God's called you to be. See, we've got to understand this. Stand firm then. It's not about what you can do in your own strength. It's about what you can do in his. And the problem is we try so hard to do it in our own because we want to be good Christians. Stop trying to be a good Christian and understand that being a good Christian is being submitted to the will, plan, and purpose of God for your life. It's not about trying to measure up to all the things that you stack together and saying, well, if I'm a good Christian, then I do this and I act this way and I talk this way and I live this way and we live exhausted lives trying to be all the things that a good Christian is. Stop trying to be all the things a good Christian is and start being empowered by the Holy Spirit to live an empowered life. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you don't need to do these. What I'm saying is if you spend all your try time trying to do them instead of understanding the heart of the one who created you, you're trying to pretend to be somebody you're not. You need God to change you from the inside out. He is constantly working on you, taking you to deeper and deeper levels of conviction. Remember that. It's my truth but not your truth, right? See, here's the thing about truth. We like to use that same thing when we start talking conviction. Well, that's your conviction. This is my conviction. What is your conviction that's bounded on Scripture? Not your opinion. Well, but I heard somebody say this one time. Did you study the Bible to see what it said? Well, I like their opinion, and it lined up with mine, so I thought that was right. What is the Bible? 
and I love to preach this, but I hate to do this because how many of you realize this preach is great until it's your opinion that's on the line? There's been a lot of things in my life that I've had to go back and like, no, this is how it is. I read my Bible like, hmm, you don't want to change that? <laughs> Can we make an amendment? <laughs> Doesn't work that way. God's given us, I don't even want to say a rule book because it's not a rule book. He's given us a love letter to understand his heart, and when we understand his heart, we can better express it to the world around us. Stop living trying to understand the rules of Christianity and start living trying to understand the heart of a loving Savior. See, verse 14, then stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That's why I hit on that so early. Why is truth related to a belt? Let me help you really quick. Your belt is what holds everything together. I know our culture is a little bit different now. You got like, I got my shiny belt. I got my dude belt. I got my rope belt, whatever belt you like to wear. That's not the way it works in this, okay? This is the belt of truth. It's talking about the belt that went with the armor of God. The purpose of that belt was to hold your sword and to hold your armor together. Truth is what holds you together, guys. If you don't have a firm foundation in the truth, you will be swayed by every good book, every great podcast, every good conversation that you have because you need to understand the foundation is laid in truth in every single one of those. That's why, in my opinion, it is the number one thing listed because if you don't have truth holding it all together, you are going to get off and find yourself in a place you never thought you should be. Whew. Next, put on the breastplate of righteousness. I know I tampered just a moment ago. I'm going to camp there for just a minute. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guys, why do we never guard our heart? I'm, I want to just talk really bluntly to you guys really quick. Let me talk all the single people in here. Let me help you out. Okay? Guard your heart. Don't follow it. Guard it. You were never created to follow your heart. You need to lead it. Okay? Because... The guy, the girl that you're interested in, hear me, but we're just so in love, but I, I know this is wrong, and I know this is wrong, and here's the thing. You can't choose who you fall in love with, so you better choose who you spend your time with, okay? I know the people in the room. I know I'm talking to some single people in here. You need to hear this. The people you spend your time with will determine the way you think and the way that you live your life. Guard your heart. Married people in the room, let me talk to you for just a minute. Guard your heart. You can't choose who you fall in love with, so you better choose who you spend your time with. Because if it's your secretary you're spending more time with than your wife, you're going to have a different problem. Guard your heart, guys. But my heart's leading me. Then you already have a problem. Where are you leading it? Well, how do you lead your heart? Well, let me help you. What you spend time with, you will fall in love with. Anybody ever notice the more you do something, the more interested you become in it? Well, how do I lead my heart? Spend time in the Word of God, and I promise you, you will discover yourself falling more and more in love with Jesus and His Word because that's where you are leading your heart to be fed. Do you follow me? Spend time with people that God's called you to. Guys, I want to get practical here for just a moment. Jesus spent his time with sinners 
But that was not the, pri the primary people he spent his time with. That is the primary group of people that he went to. The primary people he spent his time with was the disciples, people who were like-minded, who had the same belief structure, who were going the same place. I'm telling you right now, when you find yourself in a situation where you are surrounded by people who constantly compromise your beliefs, you will shortly after find yourself compromised in your own beliefs. Why? Because you will begin to adopt the mindsets of the people you spend time with. I'm just telling you. Well, but I'm more comfortable with the sinner than I am the saint. I've heard that a million times. Let me help you because what you're probably saying is I'm more comfortable with somebody who's real about who they are than somebody who's religious and fake about who they are. And let's clarify really quick. Jesus didn't spend time with the Pharisees either. Okay? The people he was the most harsh with were the people in the church who were judgmental and critical and didn't understand the loving nature and heart of God. So if you find yourself in those two categories, you need to introduce yourself to a third, and that's the people who are actually the sons and daughters of God living the way that they are supposed to live. And if you do not find yourself connected to anybody like that, you might be in a very dangerous place, my friend. Because your heart's not guarded. You need to be surrounded by people who are going to help encourage you, push you, uplift you. Well, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm more comfortable with sinners. Okay, so what happens when your life falls apart and there's a situation that's bigger than you can handle and you need to call somebody to help battle with you and the only close relationships you have are people you've been trying to get saved? Who's fighting for you? You need people you can partner with and say, this is what I'm going through. This situation just happened in my life. And they're able to lock arms, lift your head, and help you get through that fight. Guys, we need those people in our life. You were never designed to do this on your own. <laughs> Verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the the shoes of peace are the most underrated piece of all of the armor of God, in my opinion. For those of you who were here, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who won't, let me give you a quick recap. The shoes of peace are describing shoes that the Roman soldiers would wear that literally had spikes on the end. And when they would walk down the road, you could hear them walking, and it was a sound that got people's attention because when there was a fight, an argument, a disturbance going on in the city, when the Roman soldiers would march up, the disturbance would cease because the people didn't want to get kicked with the shoes of peace. How many of you realize that peace is very contrary to the peace that our culture talks about? What to have peace, we must all love each other and accept everything. Let me help you. Loving someone... And accepting them is not the same as condoning. You can clearly do one without the other. I know our culture says that's contrary. I'm going to offend some people right here. Slow down and think it through. I can love you. I can support you. I can be a part of your life without condoning everything that you do. See, the problem is most people that have a... Somebody about to lose a toe. Most people who have a problem with the statement that I just said find themselves on two camps. One, the camp is, no, you can't do both of those because they're wrong in that. Let me help you. 
you really need to evaluate the theological perspective that you have right there because it really sounds a lot more like a group of people that Jesus didn't spend time with than the people that he did. Or you're on the other side of it that says, no, both of those can't exist because I can do what I want and you need to accept it. That's not rooted in love either. It's rooted in selfishness that says you're going to give me what I want or you cannot be in relationship with me. You need to evaluate where you're at if you find yourself in either part of those. I'm telling you, I know I'm tampering today, but hang with me because I'm trying to get you to understand something. You were built for this fight. There is a fight that you are going to face every day of your life. Well, every day shouldn't be a fight. Yes, it should. You were created to make a difference in your world. So every day you should be fighting for something. You should be standing for something. You should be making a difference everywhere you go. If the only time you pray is in your prayer closet, you're missing a lot of opportunities to change the world. Y'all are quiet on that one. Isaiah 55, 12 says, For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. There should be peace everywhere you step. Please hear me because this is important. Everywhere you go, you should be led forth with peace, not because you are never walking into any situations, not because there are never any problems that are come your way. That is not the gospel. That is not truth. You will face problems. You will face issues. You will face struggles, but you should be led forth with peace, not because you know those struggles are bigger than you can handle, but because you know that you can walk into any situation and you carry the authority of heaven everywhere that you walk. The shoes of peace are violent. Some of you are like, what? What? Did he just say violent? Yeah, I did. Because I don't know about you, but have you ever heard the prayer of a praying mom when their son is in the hospital? It's violent. It's aggressive. Why? Because they understand that peace does not come from what the doctor says. Peace comes from the power of the Almighty, and they will be led forth with peace, and they will declare truth in a situation, no matter what things look like in the physical, because we were created to introduce heaven to earth. When you walk into a situation and you find a sibling who is overdosed, you don't walk over and think, God, do something. You walk over and you begin to pray with power. You are violent. You go to war. Well, I don't face those situations every day. Thank God. But when you do, you better know how to pray because you're not going to rise to the occasion. You're going to fall back to what you've practiced. And if all you've practiced is, dear God, save me from this life, when things go wrong, all you're going to be able to do is say, dear God, save me from this life. And he got quiet. Y'all were cheering, but now it's not. <laughs> Guys, where are you spending your time? You were created for a battle. The problem is most of us know we were created for one, but we haven't prepared for it. See, you are called to be clothed with the armor of God, to put it on every day where we get up every single day and we go to war and we understand that the situations we face today might not even be our situations, but we are carrying the authority of heaven for the people we come in contact with. Now, I understand every day you may not have a family member who's sick. Every day you may not have a horrific situation you walk through, but every day somebody is facing that and you carry the authority of heaven. Walk with peace where you go. Verse 16, sorry, I jumped back, Ephesians 6, verse 16. In addition to all these things, take up the shield of faith 
which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. The shield of faith is something that you carry. There are two distinctive things about the shield of faith that the Bible describes. One is this specifically lets us know exactly which one it talks about because it says can put out the fiery darts of the evil one. Let me help you. Romans carried a shield that was made of leather or skin, and they would have to soak it every single day in water and put oil on it, and they would have to rub it and work it and work that in to keep it moist. Why? So that when they would go to battle and the enemy would shoot flaming arrows, it would hit that and put it out. This is very specific what's being detailed out here. It's not something that's ceremonial. It's not presentation. It's something that takes work. Your faith is not something you carry and say, look, I'm religious. I got faith. It's something that you carry, that you work, you spend time in. You spend time in your word. You spend time praying in the presence of God so that you're able to carry it. When something does come against you, you can actually use that, not for decoration. You can use it for warfare. Guys, the armor that God gave you, he equipped you for a reason. You need to put it on. We got so many people walking through situations, and I didn't see that coming. Yeah, that's kind of the point of an attack. So the question is, are you prepared to fight back when something comes you didn't expect? Again, let me go back to the very beginning here, guys. I'm not talking about fight in the physical. I'm talking about fight in the spiritual. Are you prepared to do what God's called you to do and be the men and women God, that God's called you to be where you walk into a situation, you call order because you're declaring the presence of God in that situation? That comes through listening to the voice of God. Guys, what if we actually listened to what God was speaking instead of telling God what we just wanted him to do all the time? I want to challenge you. The next time you get a call to the hospital because something is going wrong, Stop telling God what he needs to do in the situation and start asking him what he wants you to bring to it. I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times we have Christians that are frustrated because this didn't go the way I thought it would. And God's like, I didn't send you there to raise the dead. I sent you there to comfort a family. What's God speaking? And let me just be clear. That's not one directional. You may have went to comfort a family, and he may have been expecting you to raise the dead. You ready for a fight? Well, I mean, raise the dead. I mean, really? I mean, I know Jesus did that in the Bible. But, yeah, I mean, like, literally, he has empowered you with the Holy Spirit and heaven in your words. Use them. But we need to know what God is speaking and what God is wanting to do in a situation before we go and act in our flesh, expecting God to bless what God was never sending us there to do. Do you follow me? There's something about being obedient, understanding the heart of God. I'm almost done here. Verse 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Last thing on this as the band begins to go ahead and come back up, this is what I want you guys to understand. The helmet of salvation is one of our most crucial pieces. Because how many of you realize salvation is key to becoming a son and daughter of God, right? Like, not just key, like, 
is kind of the groundwork. You got to have that part to start. You got me? Okay. Here's the problem. A lot of us have embraced an idea in our culture that salvation and grace are the way that we live our life. And because I was saved through grace, now grace is there to catch me whenever I do anything wrong. And we lack the pursuit of holiness in the way we live our life because we have grace that's there to catch us. Let me put it to you this way. Grace will catch you every single time. But here's the thing. God did not call you to constantly live in this perpetual state of having to catch grace. He created you to live where you can make momentum, you can move forward, and you can be who God's called you to be, and grace is there to catch you when you fall. Grace is a safety net, not a trampoline. You've been using it wrong. Do you follow me? This is the thing. We get this idea, and we try to, I'm going to put on the armor of God, and I got grace there to catch me, so I don't have to live a righteous life. I don't have to live a life making the hard decisions because grace is there to catch me, and we got soldiers running around with helmets strapped to their chest because we're trying to guard our heart with grace and it leaves our head unprotected that's why we do so many stupid things because we're led by our heart and we're caught by grace and instead of understanding you are protected by grace and you are led with righteousness we're able to walk in freedom in peace because we have the power and the presence of God on our lives through the grace of of Jesus Christ on a cross who died for us. But yet again, he rose. See, grace it is, came into play because he died for you. But he rose not just so that you could get to heaven. If it was just to get you to heaven, he was good where he died. But to get you to heaven, he had to come back because he wanted heaven here on earth. Do you follow me? Jesus went around preaching the gospel. Do you realize that? He wasn't dead yet. The gospel is not just that Jesus died. The gospel is that the kingdom of heaven wanted to be ushered into the earth. That's the message that Jesus preached. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. What we need to carry to the world around us is that we have been empowered by grace to usher heaven into the world. Where are my warriors at today? You were created and built for a battle. Put on your armor. Gear up. Put it all on. Not part of it. Not some of it. Have truth in what you believe. Live a life that pursues righteousness. Guard your mind because every time you begin to pray, every time you begin to read your Bible, every time you stand in worship and the thought of everything you've done wrong becomes, begins to attack your what? Mind. Why is salvation so important? So that every time the devil tries to attack your mind of what you've done in your past, you're able to say no because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace that I have. That's not who I was, and that's never who I'm going to be again. The helmet of salvation is vital to empower you to move beyond yourself. Guys, put on 
the armor. Put it on. Stop keeping it in a closet. Don't just carry your favorite piece. So I think we find ourselves there a lot, but it's like, I mean, I love grace, so I'm going to keep my helmet on. But I, mean, I don't really like that fighting stuff, so I'm going to leave my sword there. I don't really want to read my Bible, so I'm not prepared to use my sword. There's a fight that you're going to come into. And I don't know what that fight's going to look like. It's going to look different for everybody every week, every day. There is something that you are going to face. That fight is as little as when you want to pick up your Bible and read, and it's like, man, I just don't want to read today. Anybody ever have that fight? Yeah, it's the fight of laziness. It's to keep you ill-prepared for the next battle that's going to come. What about the battle that's, I've got sick family members. Well, do you know how to use your sword? Do you know how to speak life into that situation? Are you prepared to walk in to a hospital room or somebody's home and deliver what it is that God wants to speak? I know I'm talking to you guys. Really, from a leadership perspective, let me help you. If you're a Christian in this room, you're a leader. You were created to be one. You were called to be one. You were made to be one. If you're not a Christian in this room, let me help you with something this morning. You were not created to merely get by. You were created to be a leader. You were created to be a warrior, to make a difference in the world. Pick up your armor. Let's go to war. What would this world look like if Christians stopped hiding behind our preferences? And started living. Dress for battle. I'm telling you, hospitals would be a different place. Rehab centers would be a different place. Schools would be a different place. Homes would be a different place. So often we begin to talk about this stuff and we... Build it up till we've got to reach the world. But if you lose your family, you've missed the point. See, it starts with the most central people in your life. Because I'm telling you, the people you fight for are the people you see every day. You're not fighting for the guy you've never seen yet. You might be laying groundwork that will change their life. But the people you see every single day, you need to be fighting for. There's some of you in this room, and you feel like, I'm just telling you, there's somebody in here today, you feel like nobody's ever fought for you. Let me tell you really quick, there's an entire room full of people waiting and willing to fight on your behalf. It's called relationship. It's called family. And some people don't understand family in the church because they don't understand family in culture. But let me help you. Family in the church isn't like family in culture. Okay? Because our culture says this is what family is like and it can be all these variations and what family is defined by the church is a group of people who love each other. They fight for each other. Yeah, we're going to make each other mad every once in a while. Welcome to family. That doesn't mean we leave you. That doesn't mean we have bounce when something goes wrong. Jesus never bounced on you when you messed up. He was right there to help you every single time. And we are called to be the church that represents Jesus to our world. So act like it. Ooh. 
You will bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in this room today and you say, first and foremost, I don't know who Jesus is. I don't, I don't have a relationship with God to lean on. And I need that today. I want you to raise your hand. You got to hang out here for just a minute. Anybody in the room? Second thing is this. If you're in the room and you say, you know, I'm a Christian, and I've been trying, but the truth of it is, I either haven't put on my armor at all, or I've only picked up selected pieces, and today, I need to put on the full armor of God, and I need to be who he's called me to be, and I need to make a difference in my world in a way I've never made before. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank 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 you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. God, I pray right now for every person to have the courage to lift their hand this morning. God, I pray that you would empower us not to simply go through life, not simply to come to church and go to work and go home, but that everywhere we go, we would be led forth with peace, understanding that we carry the presence of heaven into every place we set our foot. God, I pray that you would empower every person who lifted their hand this morning to put on the full armor of God, to know that they have the grace to overcome every situation they've faced in their past, that the truth of the Word of God is never changing. It is not shakable. That they know the content of Scripture is how we fight our battles. That is how we establish our faith, that our faith, our shield, is in partnership and relationship that you have called us to. And it takes work. And that we guard our heart and we lead our heart, that we look more like you every single day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.